We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. I believe it's printed in your bulletin, but if you have a Bible, whether it's in paper or on your phone, I would really encourage you to keep the passage open this morning. We're going to be in Luke 2, and also we're going to jump back into Luke 1 a bit. Uh, You don't have to follow me everywhere I go this morning, but being around in Luke would be good. We're going to be all in the Scripture this morning, so I would encourage you to keep it open. If you would stand for the reading of God's Word from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. This is the very Word of God. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born This day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known to everyone the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Father, this morning we have before us glorious good news. Glorious good news that angels longed to look into. And finally, it is right. It is real. It is here. God has come in the flesh. Father, be with us this morning as we dive into your word to hear what you have for us, that we might see it and see you and be changed and glorify you with our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. What we have before us this morning is a very, very familiar passage of scripture. Over the last month, you've probably seen depictions of it on Christmas cards and decorations, your neighbor's yard or your yard may have no judgment here, may have large illuminated characters from this very story, even today, maybe even in February. And if you've been in any sort of public place, the music playing in the store or the restaurant has undoubtedly proclaimed portions of this very message sometime around 4 BC during the reigns of Herod the Great in Judea and Caesar Augustus in Rome. The events recorded in this passage of Scripture, amazing as they are, happened to real people. And the ramifications of what happened that night affect each one of us eternally. 
This morning, I want us to ask, I want us to ask together and let the scriptures answer these three questions. What happened in Bethlehem that night? Why did it happen? And how should we respond? So again, keep your Bibles open to Luke as we begin. What really happened in Bethlehem that night? Well, simply put, what happened in Bethlehem that night is that God himself broke in and his glory broke out. God himself broke in. What you have to understand about this scene in Luke 2, there is a backstory, and I mean a huge backstory. You might say the backstory is all of the Old Testament. Last week, Jimmy preached Genesis 3.15. After Adam and Eve fell, God promised he would send the woman's seed to crush the head of God's enemy and our enemy. And all through the Old Testament, we get a clearer and clearer picture of who this one will be. I'll highlight only one passage for us this morning from Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Listen, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now fast forward to about 5 BC probably. Luke 1.26. Go ahead and turn there if you have your Bible open. It's not our passage, it's before it. But Luke 1.26, listen to the similarities if you can catch them between the passage I just read from Isaiah and this one from Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. That's one. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. That's two. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. That's three. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. That's four. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Five. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Six. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This child in Mary's womb is the one prophesied by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years earlier. Well, you know the rest of the story. Joseph finds out Mary is pregnant. He plans to divorce her quietly. But an angel appears to Joseph too. And tells him about the miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit. And at the requirement of Caesar, everyone was returning 
to their hometowns to be registered. Joseph and Mary, they make their way to Bethlehem, and due to the great influx of travelers for the census, there's no lodging for them whatsoever. And whether in a stable or some sort of cave where the animals were kept, Mary gives birth to Jesus and lays him in a manger. It is simply the most amazing, world-altering thing that has ever happened in the universe up to this point. Greater even than the creation itself, God has broken in. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, has entered our world in flesh. The seed of the woman Eve is the seed of the woman Mary. I've been present at five births. Four of them I remember. You'll get that in a second. Listen, I believe life begins at conception. In a very real sense, every child born at full term has been a person for about nine months. But when that child comes through the birth canal, he or she enters our world. Someone who was not there before is there now. Someone we didn't know can now be known. Friends, somewhere in a real cave or stable in Bethlehem, about 2,026 years ago, God Himself took on human flesh and He broke into our world in a way He had never been in it before. That, in a very small nutshell, is the backstory. Now, why did I take so much time this morning to cover all that? Because of verse 8. Look at your text. And in the same region. What region? Well, the region of Bethlehem, but more importantly, the region of time and space where the most incredible thing that has ever happened, happened. In the same region where God himself broke in. And when God breaks in, his glory breaks out. Look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, some of us hear these words and our minds hearken back to a children's Christmas pageant, don't they? In our mind's eye, we see our kid or grandkid dressed in a half a white bed sheet crowned with golden glitter halo and in a high-pitched voice, I won't do it, saying, fear not, for behold, it's so cute. It's wrong. There was no laughter from the audience that night. No camcorders or iPhone flashes. God's glory is breaking out. I spent a lot of time outside this week. (laughs) A lot of time trying to imagine what it must have been like for the shepherds that night. Our house sits on an eight-acre hayfield. It wasn't hard to imagine it full of sheep. We have a big sky at our house, thousands of stars, and it was cool and clear. I tried to imagine what it must have been like for these shepherds 
And that is hard to do. You see, I've never had an angel appear to me. I've never had the glory of the Lord shine around me like that. I've never looked up to see legion after legion of angel armies filling the night sky singing glory to God in the highest. So I tried to imagine something a little more earthly. Try this. Imagine you wake up in the middle of the night, you're exceedingly thirsty. Does this happen to anyone besides me? So thirsty. But it's cold in the house and the bed is so warm and comfortable. You lie there a few minutes, you're fighting it, but at some point the thirst just overcomes the comfort and you make your way to the kitchen. Side note, you have 10-foot vaulted ceiling, okay? Great kitchen. And as you turn the corner and flip on the light, suddenly appearing before you stands a giant grizzly bear. Upright on its hind legs, its arms or forelegs stretched out, its enormous head. Their, the head is so... Have you ever seen a grizzly bear? Like just, It's amazing. This head, it's almost rubbing the 10-foot ceiling. What is your response? Terror. Your response is terror. You are filled with great fear, as the Scripture says. And then the bear speaks. And it says in a kind voice, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm not here to hurt you. I know it's funny, but it's terrifying, right? Terrifying. At some point, your terror begins to blend with curiosity and wonder. A few moments go by, and most of the terror has gone as all of your limbs remain intact and only the wonder remains. And you lean in eagerly, waiting to find out why the bear has come into your kitchen and why it's talking to you. I don't know how tall the angel was or what he was wearing. Here's what I know. His sudden appearance to sleepy shepherds and the glory of the Lord, which was shining all around, struck terror, terror, into the hearts of these shepherds. And how do we know? The first words the angel speaks are, do not be afraid. In fact, you can look through the scriptures. Almost every time an angel appears to a man, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. The angel who appeared to Mary said, don't be afraid. The angel who appeared to Joseph said, don't be afraid. You see, it's not just the appearance of the angel that has struck great fear into the hearts of these shepherds. It's the glory of God. And you may remember several places in the Old Testament where the glory of the Lord broke through this thin veneer we call the physical world. Moses at the burning bush. Moses hidden in the cleft of the rock as God passed by. The pillar of fire, the glory cloud, and then someday the transfiguration of Jesus Christ where His clothes shone more white than anyone could ever bleach them. 
That's the way the apostle writes it. At times of great importance, God's glory has broken out in such a way that man can get just a taste of his radiance. And that happened here. Now look at verse 11. Here's the message that the angel brings. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And as the angel makes his announcement, suddenly the night sky fills up with a multitude of more angels. <laughs> Verse 13 says, it's a heavenly host. And the text from Isaiah 9 ended with these words, listen, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It is no meaningless detail that the host, the armies of heaven, accompanied this proclamation. God has done what he promised. Isaiah said this child would come by the power and the will of the Lord of hosts. And when he accomplishes it, the glory of the Lord of hosts and the heavenly hosts themselves surround the proclamation. In the incarnation, God broke in, and in the proclamation of it, the glory of the Lord broke out. That is what happened in Bethlehem that night. Why? Why? Why did God become a man born of a virgin? Why did God send angels to proclaim it to shepherds, why did the night sky fill up with a vast army of angels praising God for what He had done? Why? For you. For you. If you've never really seen this, you're going to be surprised. Look at verses 10 and 11 again. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you. Unto even you. Lowly shepherds, literally and figuratively on the outskirts of society, unto you is born this day in the city of David, what? A Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Why did God send His Son? Why did this Son leave heaven and humble Himself and take on a human nature to save you and me? To save His people from their sin. Now listen, time with family is a good thing. Celebrating friends and loved ones is a good thing. Sharing wonderful food is a really good thing. Giving gifts to others to show your love is a good thing. Loading up your family to go downtown and serve soup to the homeless is a very good thing. Any celebration of Christmas that does not, with laser focus, proclaim and celebrate that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners has sadly missed the point. 
good maybe, but not tidings of great joy. And this morning I want to ask you, what does this message mean to you? Born to you is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, over the years I've talked to a lot of people about Jesus. And you know what? A lot of modern people really admire Jesus. Or at least the idea of Jesus. Or something like Jesus. Others are pretty apathetic about Him. The people who actually met Jesus rarely reacted that way. And you can read it for yourself in the Gospels and see the people Jesus met and interacted with, they tended toward one of two opinions. They either worshipped Him or they tried to kill Him. There wasn't a lot of apathy. If you hear the message of the angel this morning and you yawn, it's a pretty good bet you don't believe that you need a Savior. Our text this morning says you do. The whole backstory of the entire Old Testament says you do. This child, God in the flesh, who was born that day in Bethlehem, is Savior. Not good moral teacher. Not example to follow. Jesus Christ is Savior and He came to save His people from their sins. And just to put this in stereo from the backstory, when the angel appeared to Joseph, this is what he said regarding the naming of the child. And you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. His very name betrays the reason for His coming. Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew means, the Lord is salvation. Paul said it this way, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Friends, what happened here? God broke into our world in the birth of Jesus Christ. Why did He do it? To save sinners. The most incredible thing to have ever happened has happened in Bethlehem. God has broken in. And the most joyous news ever told has been told He broke in to save His people from their sins. That is good news. That is good news. Now, how should we respond to this good news of great joy? The text shows us three appropriate responses. And quickly, they are praise proclamation, and pondering. Praise, proclamation, and pondering. Now I want to acknowledge the shepherds. They, they worshipped God. They saw the child. They returned to their flock, glorifying God for all they had seen and heard. But for the sake of time, I just want to focus on the response of the angel army. Look at verse 13. Right after the first angel had delivered the good news that Jesus had come to bring salvation, the text says, Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Suddenly. That's interesting to me. Why suddenly? 
What if these angels have been there all along? And suddenly they break out in praise because they just can't hold it in any longer. Having delivered the message to Mary and Joseph, having seen the wonder of the incarnation become reality, and having heard this first angel's proclamation of the gospel, what if suddenly they break out in praise and worship of God because they cannot hold it in any longer? You see, for eons past, the angels have known the Son of God as creator. They have seen his glory and its brilliance and his perfect character, his justice, his love, his wisdom. Never before have they seen him come as savior. Never before had they comprehended God would not spare his only son but would send him to be born, die, and rise again. No, I believe this What we have before us this morning is no rote worship assignment. It's not a Christmas pageant script item. The good news of the gospel and the birth of the the Savior have engendered in these angels a spontaneous praise of God for bringing such a great salvation to sinners. Write this down and read it later. 1 Peter 112, Peter says of this gospel, this very gospel, it's a thing that angels longed to look into. That backstory was long. Generations came and went, and the anticipation for a Savior mounted even among the angels. And now they have witnessed the fulfillment of God's promises. They break out in song, praising God. If you are here this morning, and for the first time you have truly comprehended what Jesus came to do for you, I invite you, with these angels, give praise to God this morning. Give praise to God. Come to Jesus Christ for salvation, for that is why He came. The second response we see is proclamation. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them, that is the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Here's the progression, okay? The shepherds hear the gospel, they investigate what they've been told, they see it and they believe it, and then they proclaim it. I don't know where you are in the progression this morning. I certainly hope at this point in the sermon, you've already heard the gospel. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Maybe you've heard it and you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going to investigate it. Well, good, that's what the shepherds did. And I praise God for that. If you come to a place where you're ready to investigate the claims of Jesus Christ, I want to personally help you. This is not a rhetorical statement. Okay? I want to talk to you. If you've never investigated the claims of Jesus Christ, salvation is offered to you this morning. Come and talk to me. There are others in this church. There are men and women who will help you see Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. Do not hesitate to reach out. 
Some of us have heard the gospel. We've investigated it. We've seen Christ as true in the scriptures. And now we believe in him. Let me ask us a hard question. Have you stopped there? That's not where the shepherd stopped. No, to everyone who would listen that night or the next day, probably everywhere else they went for some time, they proclaimed the good news that had been told to them about this child. Have you stopped at belief? Are you content to leave your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, your servers, your Uber drivers in the dark? Listen, I'm asking myself this same question. And you may say, it was easy for the shepherds. People already looked down on them. I'm well respected in my field. I have thousands of followers on Twitter. Do you know what will happen to me if I start talking about Jesus to people? Yes, your faith will come alive. Your fear of man and your addiction to the praise of others will begin to diminish. You'll be mistreated and learn to count it all joy when people say all sorts of evil things about you on account of Him. People who have been walking in the deep darkness of self-fulfillment will see light and have hope for the first time in their lives. The praise of Jesus Christ will grow in this church as more worshipers come to join us. Friends, this year could be the year that you face your fear, your fear of man, your fear of not being loved by everyone that you meet, and proclaim the good news. Open your mouth and see what the Holy Spirit will do when Jesus Christ is lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And I want to encourage you this week, lift Jesus Christ up and see what he does. Finally, the final response we see is pondering. Look at verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That is beautiful. This is, this is eyewitness testimony to the writer Luke as he investigated all these things. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I suppose every birth experience is unique. Sarah gave birth to our children at all hours. Middle of the day, middle of the night, somewhere in between. But at some point, regardless of the time of day, all the nurses and doctors left the room. The blackout curtains were pulled to if needed. The baby had been fed and was sleeping. And there was, for the first time in quite a while, quiet. I imagine Mary in that cave. Having fed and burped and rocked the creator of the universe to sleep. 
laying him back in the manger. And the sound of the shepherds praising God begins to fade as they march back joyously to the fields. And for the first time after the birth, Mary has a quiet moment to herself and to her thoughts. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Let me ask you, what do you think the text means by all these things? Think about it for a moment. Ponder with me. I think at the very least, Mary is replaying the last year of her life. The first angel's visitation. The news that she would be with child by the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist leaping in Elizabeth's womb at the sound of Mary's voice. The glances and the whispers and the rumors of Nazareth. The excruciating 90-mile donkey ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The cold, lonely experience of giving birth in that cave. And then the fanfare of the shepherds and their reminder of who this child is and what he will accomplish. And finally this, why me? Why me? And then I imagine Mary going back in her own mind, remembering her very words that she spoke when she visited Elizabeth. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And we do. We call Mary, even now, 2,000 years later, we call her blessed because what God did and the part that she was blessed to play. Of all the responses of the gospel in this text, and they're all good and they're all right, I think Mary's is the best. Friends, I want you to praise the Lord. I want you to proclaim the good news to others. You will not do either in any lasting way until you have truly pondered all these things. As I close, I want to encourage you this morning. Ponder all these things. There is a pandemic far more deadly than COVID-19 in our world. I do not say this flippantly. It is a pandemic of superficiality. It's a pandemic of 30-second reels and restricted character counts. Hear me when I say this. Ponder is the opposite of scroll. Ponder is the opposite of tweet. Ponder is the opposite of swipe left. Listen, don't reject this counsel this morning. Don't dismiss this as backward or old-fashioned. The Scripture confronts us this morning. Ponder all these things. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them, 
in her heart. Join Mary in pondering what God has done to save his people. I wonder, though, if there was something else that she dared not ponder. And I wouldn't blame her if she couldn't at this moment bear it. You see, Isaiah had prophesied much about the birth and life of Jesus Christ, but he had also prophesied these words from Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. I wonder if Mary could bear it. To ponder even this. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And how would He do it? Isaiah continues, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord, the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Friends, the God of the universe took on human flesh so that He could take onto His own back the stripes that we deserve for our sin. And on the cross, He did just that. And suddenly, in the context of this story, these words take on a fresh meaning to us. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is the glorious news the angels proclaimed and celebrated. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I want to invite you this morning, ponder that kind of love. Ponder the love of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. If you have stood on the periphery, Glancing now and again at Jesus, let me invite you in this moment, not later, not next week, in this moment, come to Bethlehem and see Him whose birth the angels sing. Ponder all these things until Jesus Christ becomes the treasure in your heart. Let's pray. Father, this morning we have, we have fed on something, a message that angels only longed to look into. That you broke into our world and your glory broke out. Why? Because you loved us. You came to save sinners like us. And Father, this morning there are not three, there are many responses to your word this morning. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Help us to ponder all these things to clearly see your love. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.